And let me tell you from authority, third string ain't bad. Turn to John, John chapter 14. Great thing about getting a phone call at 6 in the morning and saying, Hey, can you preach? You got anything else to do today? And Ken says, It just has to be short. And so I gave him a 13 point sermon. That'll teach Davy to go. <laughs> I want to take you back. About, uh, oh, I would say probably early, early this year. We made a decision at the Benevolent Center. We were going to look at the book of John. And we've been in the book of John now for quite a while. And I've just fallen in love with that book over again. And so I was Zooming with my Zoomerites out there. And I found a book from Jeff Walling. Y'all might remember Jeff Walling, a great, great speaker. He was a youth minister when I was growing up and... Uh, the book, the title of the book was "Until I, I Until I Come," and it it goes from the aspect of what Jesus wanted us to know before He left this earth. And so, it's a tremendous book, and I want you to go buy that book and read it. I think you'll love it. But I want to take you back to that last night, that night before Jesus's arrest and His trial. And he gets up and he tells his apostles, he says, uh, I'm fixing to leave. And, you know, Peter says, well, where are you going? I want to go. I want, you just can't leave. I mean, we've got so much stuff to do. What are you doing? You mean you're going? He said, the bad thing about it is I'm going to go. And where I'm going, you can't come. Now, I want you to put your mindset of one of his Followers who have seen for the last three years what he has done and what he has given to the ministry of the kingdom. And I want you to give your thought to what they're feeling right now as he tells them he's fixing to leave. And I'm sure they were shocked. I'm sure they were saddened. I'm sure they were confused. Because one of them asked me, so, well, why can't I go with you? And I'm sure Jesus is probably thinking, said, man, all, these, all this teaching I've done, they still don't have it yet. And I'm sure some of them were worried, were just flat afraid. And then you add that on top of the next day and what happened at his crucifixion. I'm sure it just scared the bejabbers out of them. And bejabbers is a legal word. I learned that in my English class at school. And so what I want to do is, I want to tell you 13 things that, that Jesus told them to give them a little comfort before he left. But I want you to look at it in a little bit different. I want you to look at it as if he is talking to you. And you look and see these things and see how they apply to you today. And it just, especially in a year coming out of what we've had, to see what Jesus said then and how it fits us today. So John 14, first verse. 
Jesus gives them words of comfort, gives them words of warning, gives them words of encouragement. He also gives them words of caution. So I'm going to hustle to get through all that. John 14 and 1. Let not your hearts be troubled, but believe in me. And believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If, if it were not so, would I have told you that I go and prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. So his first message to him was, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I know what you're facing. I know where you've been. I know each one of you. I know your strengths. I know your weaknesses. Don't be afraid. And I look at this past two years, which seems like ten. <laughs> and have we seen fear in this world today? Have we seen anxiety in this world today? I want you to imagine Jesus coming to you, putting your face in his hands. Don't be afraid. And that's the one thing I want us to take forward from the start of this lesson to the end. Number one, don't be afraid of what we're facing. Because I guarantee you, those early apostles faced it too. Might have looked different, might have sounded different, but they faced troubles too. So don't be afraid. Drop down to verse 5. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. Number two, don't stop trusting don't stop trusting. He says, I have taught you. I have walked with you. I have protected you. I have guided you. Don't stop trusting in me. We can look back on all those events back those many years ago. We can see the plan of God working to save the world. And he's telling us, don't stop trusting my plan. Don't try to... Put your own things in it. Don't try to do it your way. Just keep trusting me. I'm going to get you through this. You're going to be okay. So don't stop trusting. And then he tells them in, in verse 21. Look in the same chapter, John 14 and 21. He says... Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he is it who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Drop down to verse 25. These things I have spoken to you while I'm still with you, but my helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives you. 
do I give you? Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Third thing he tells them, says, you're not going to be alone. You're not going to be alone. I'm giving you a, a tremendously difficult job of building my kingdom or building the church. I'm not going to leave you to do it by yourself. <laughs> You're not going to be alone. And let me tell you, we see people today so often get, have struggles and go through life that's so hard. And the very, the very most important time they need the Lord, they turn away from him. They feel like I'm alone. It's only me. Where's everybody else? I'm not going to leave you alone, he says. But then Jesus, knowing all things, realizes there's going to be some difficult times for them. And so then he gives them some words of warning. Go to John chapter 15, verses 5 through 8. He tells them, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is it that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. And if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and prove to be my disciples. He tells them, whatever you do, wherever you go, as difficult as it gets, I want you to stay with me. Don't leave me. Stay with me. He calls it abide in here, but that's what he's trying to tell us. Stay with me. We're going to make it. We're going to get through. You have power beyond your control that you don't know anything about yet. But you have to stay with me. In times of trouble, do we hit our knees? <laughs> do we open Scripture and see what God's message to us is? Do we try to hang in with Him and hold on as tight as we can? Gives me that picture of Mary... <laughs> At the tomb, when she grabs a hold of Jesus, so glad to see him. I can just hear her emotions. I can't believe it's you. I just don't want to let go. And he tells her, stay with me. Stay with me. That's our message to us today to get through this. Stay with me. Abide in my words and my teachings. Don't forget your prayer life. Don't forget your fellowship with each other. Don't forget your worship. Together. Stay with me. Also in John 15, look at verse 9. He tells them, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. Then go to verse 12, same chapter. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. So he tells them, you better stay together. <laughs> You better love each other. Just as you want to hang on to me, you better hang on to each other. You stay together. There's strength in numbers. Just as I sent them out two by two, you grab your buddy. Remember going swimming, the buddy lesson? <laughs> Claimed a buddy before you went swimming. He says, you get your pal. 
You get someone you love. You get someone you care about. Someone that can help you, that can encourage you. And you stay with me and you get along with each other. Stop your squabbling. Quit worrying about who's the greatest. (laughs) Right before all this happened, this discourse, they were arguing about who the greatest was in the kingdom. That sounds just like us, doesn't it? It's not about that. It's about what you can do for my kingdom, and you're going to have to stay together and get along to do it. Because if you start squabbling, if you start fighting with each other, and you start where you get where you can't even worship with each other, you're already lost. Satan has took over. So I want you to stay close to me, and I want you to get along. And then he tells them in, in, in John chapter 15, verses 10 and 11, he gives them a very important advice. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Are you having trouble abiding with Jesus? Are you having trouble with your joy? Maybe we're not doing what we're told. And that's what he tells them in that verse. Do what you're told and you're going to be okay. Stick with me. Love each other. Get along with each other. And do what you're told. Now, I can tell you, my daddy, when he used to tell me to do what I was told, (laughs) I had to listen to my daddy. He was an imposing figure. So he gave him words of comfort. He gave him words of warning. But is Jesus going to leave without words of encouragement? If you don't mind, open up your, uh, go to John chapter 15, verses 13 through 15. So he tells them, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You think they remembered that passage (laughs) after the crucifixion? If you are my friends, if you do not do what I command you, no longer do I call you servants. For a servant does not know what the master is doing. But I've called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. So he tells them, you've got a friend. (laughs) You've got a friend. Man, that's a, a... a freeing thing to me to, under, to know that, that my Savior, who died for me, as, as Tom t- talked about in communion, tells me, I want to be your friend too. I want to have that relationship with you. I want you not to be afraid to come talk to me. I want you to be able to open up to me and tell me what's going wrong. Tell me what's going on in your life. How can I help you? I want to be your friend. And just like we have friends in in real life that we go to and we call and we talk to, here's Jesus, our Lord and Savior, going, I want to be your friend. I want to be close to you. I want to have an open relationship with you. I want you to do what I say, but I want to be your friend. I want you to love me like your friend. He also tells them in in verses 15 and 16a in John 15, 
In verse 15, he says, No longer do I call you servants, but I call you friends. But look what he says in 16a. You did not choose me, but I have chosen you and have appointed you to bear much fruit. We've been chosen. Because he knew what our response would be to the gospel. I know your heart. I know what you're capable of. And because of that, I have chosen you to be your friend and to be your Savior. Don't ignore me. Don't turn your back on me. Stay with me. Listen to what I'm telling you. Listen to what I've taught. Listen to my words. Because I have chosen you among everybody else. I've chosen you to be my friend. Then he makes that great promise. If you just ask in my name, I'm going to do what? I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give it to you. He gives us other guidelines for prayers, praying in his name, praying according to his will. But he says, if you focus on me and you stay with me, we're going to get through this and I'm going to give you anything you want, anything you need. So if you want to be a kingdom grower, we better stay with him. We better pray to him. We better use our gifts. And he's going to help us. I'm not going to leave you alone. You have the most difficult job I can give anybody to grow this kingdom in this fallen world. Just ask me and I'll help. It's too many times I've seen us just worry and struggle because it's our fault. We gotta, we're not alone in this struggle. We are not alone. So as encouragement, he tells me, you've got a friend, you've been chosen. If you need it, just ask. But then he also gives them, gives them a few words of caution too. Still in John chapter 15, look at 18 through 20. If the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of this world, but I chose you out of this world, therefore the world hates you. So don't be shocked, he's telling them. Don't be shocked because they're not going to like you. How can anyone live in this country today, who professes to be a Christian, feel loved by the world. They would just as soon this place was closed down. I'm sure Satan was probably thinking, you know, the worst thing, I bet the best thing I could do to that church was give them one of them pandemics. I wonder what that would do to them. And you know what? We're not going to let you, we're not going to let y'all meet together and worship together. You're going to have to stay home. And if that's going to alienate you more, we'll throw some mask in there. <laughs> oh, I'm not making fun of it at all. But I'm just saying, this is the perfect scenario to hurt churches. And we've seen that, hadn't it? We have seen that in this world. And Jesus is telling us, don't be shocked. The world's not going to embrace you. The world's not going to help you. The world's going to look through government. And they're going to try to pass laws against you. 
Don't worry about that. But you, if you want to overcome, you better stay with me more than anything else. So don't be shocked. They're not going to like you. John 15 again, verses 22 through 25. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Talking about those who put them on the cross. Whoever hates me hates my father also. And if I had not done that among the works, if I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and the father. Don't be shocked. They're going to try to take you down also. I was in a position where I had grew up in the church. I left the church and I came back to the church. And when I came back to the church, I realized my friends that were over here weren't my friends anymore. And the best thing they wanted was to get back like I used to be without Jesus. And your friends will do that. They'll want to justify yourself. They will drag you down. They'll want you to conform to the world. Do you get that message today in this world today? Conform to us. Do what we're doing and you'll be okay. It's not what Jesus said. Didn't he write through Paul, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind? Satan doesn't want anybody thinking, reading, pondering, meditating on the words of God. He wants you to conform, conform, conform. And we need to be tired of that message. So don't be shocked. They won't like you. Don't be fooled. They'll tempt you. Look at John 16, verses 2 through 4. But they will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. When you get hurt, when you face persecution, when you face problems, he's telling us don't let go. Hang on tighter. Don't give up. Don't give in. You hang tough and you hang tight and you hang on to what Jesus has given you. But then, the very last thing he says to him, which is, brings us, and this is number 13. <laughs> you didn't think I could do it, did you? <laughs> number 13. Jesus tells them the sweetest words that we can know. He says, I'm going to leave you. You can't go where I am go, but I am what? I'm coming back. I am coming back. I'm not going to leave you in this world. I'm not going to let you waller in that sewer. <laughs> Doesn't it feel that way sometimes? I'm not going to let you be harassed. I'm not going to let you be hounded. I am coming back. And for you that hung in there, for you that abided in me, if you that obeyed me, for you that that hung tight with each other, for you that loved each other, I'm going to take you with me. What a tremendous blessing. What a tremendous blessing to have in what God offers us.
I'll tell you, if there's anything we need to do for you today, this is the time to do it. I urge you, don't leave this place. If you have something you need to get off your mind or get off your heart, if you need to obey the gospel, we are ready. (laughs) We stand ready 24-7 to immerse you if that's what's needed. I urge you to do so as we stand and as we sing.